You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. everyone. Welcome back to a special edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, and we're joined by USC's new special teams coordinator, Sean Snyder. Follow him on Twitter. You can see it right down there. Coach Sean Snyder. Coach, thanks uh, for coming on today. How you doing, man? I'm doing very well, and I appreciate the invite and, and looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, no, this is fun. I mean, these, we've done a bunch of these during this crazy coronavirus quarantine kind of stuff, and the, <laughs> the, the coaches have all been great. All the new coaches are awesome. We really had fun that time we got to meet you just before spring football and had like the half hour conversation with each of you. That was a that was a great time. So I'm glad we get to sit down a little bit, you know, one on one and talk some more. But did you did you guys like that when you had that like little like uh, car wash of all the coaches before spring practice? Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was a good uh, good way to get introductions going and and kind of get. Uh, get to some Q&A. So yeah, I thought it was a good time. Yeah, that was, here's a picture from that. Um, yeah, so those those were fun. How are things going for you? I mean, you take a job in February and this crazy, you know, coronavirus <laughs> thing hits in March just a month later. I mean, that had to be a pretty crazy time for you. Oh, you know, it's been different. That's for darn sure. I mean, we've all, you know, everybody in the profession is, uh, you know, scrambling around and, you know, we everybody's tired of doing zoom meetings and you know the players have been great uh it's been a uh i've never worked at home uh never my wife has and she's been been able to do that for a long time and been very good at it uh me personally i'm not not a big fan of working at home normally when i get home i want to be with my family and uh, spend time with them and i I can work till midnight at the office anytime but yeah, working from home, it's, it's been a, a change and, and at times it was a little bit of a struggle, but it uh, made it through it. So now we're in the office and see where we go. Yeah. So uh, are you in the office now? Is that where you are? Or are you at home? Yes. No, I'm in the office. Oh, nice. Okay. So at least you get that like the beginning. You couldn't even do that. And it's, did you and your wife move out here? Your kids are older or are they? Yes. My, I have a, a son that lives in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Okay. I have a daughter that lives in a small town outside of uh, uh, Emporia, uh, Olpe, Kansas. And uh, my grandkids are in those prospective places as well. Oh, wow. And my wife and I moved out here. So uh, we've got three grandkids. My my daughter's brought her uh, her two kids out here a couple times. My son hasn't been able to make it out yet. He just started a new job in Omaha. And uh, so, yeah, it's been good. My wife loves it out here and, and we really enjoyed it. Are you and um, you South Bay? Most of the coaches seem to live in the South Bay. Are you yeah. a South Bay guy? Yeah. Like PV or Redondo? Like, where are you? Like, or you don't have to say if you don't want to over there. Oh, no, I, I'm, I'm out there in PV. Yeah. PV, yeah, that's pretty good. I think Clay, Clay's out there too, right? It's, yeah. 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 Uh, it's pretty good. Speaking of, of Clay Helton, um, you know, USC had a job opening. I wonder maybe if you could describe how that connection went between uh, you and Clay Helton and that, that ended up bringing you out here to LA. Well, it, uh, I reached out um, when, I, when the job opened up, I uh, reached out briefly. Uh, to Clay and, and uh, uh, just expressed my uh, interest. 
Uh, he immediately uh, hit me back and and said, yes, let's talk. I'm in the process of hiring some other coaches right now. I'm going to get back in touch with you. Uh, so, you know, it kind of dragged on a little bit. We exchanged uh, a couple messages back and forth, phone call. Uh, and then as time moved on, uh, we, we kind of got, got our communication and, uh, you know, talked about the position and what we do and, and my philosophies and the things that I've done at K-State. Uh, and so once we uh, kind of went through that process, uh, I just interviewed at the University of Texas and uh, had a lot of really good conversation with Scott Frost at uh, University of Nebraska uh, and was was in the process of planning on going going to Nebraska and uh, Coach Helton uh, got me out here and uh, once he got me out here and, and the way he uh, handled uh, my wife and myself and uh, the time he spent with us which is un, I mean, it's unprecedented how well um, and how good of an experience that that went and so uh, once we got through that experience, we went home and my wife and I talked about it and talked to the kids about it. And we made the decision to, to accept the job and head this way. Yeah, I mean, 26 years at Kansas State in a variety of different roles. I mean, Manhattan, it's not Manhattan, New York. It's Manhattan, Kansas, <laughs> L.A. It's pretty big. It's a pretty big difference, right? It, it is. It is. The, you know, the, the thing that's been really um, uh, great about this is is I really wanted to be around uh, head coach that had similar philosophies that I do and that, that my dad did. Um, I really wanted to be around a coaching staff that was uh, a united group. Um, getting here and being able to experience the coaches offensively and defensively, uh, the operations staff, uh, Coach Helton. I mean, it is a it's a tremendous organization here. Uh, very well run, and uh, it, it's it just feels like home. I mean, it was. You know, I have a lot of coaches around the country um, uh, that I know and that I talk to and, and have great experiences with. And uh, but this thing just seemed to check all the boxes. Um, it was I'm, I'm not concerned. Everybody told me back home, you know, you're going to hate the drive. Traffic's going to stink and everything. I, yeah, it, it's not it hadn't been a problem yet. So uh, I enjoy actually in, in Manhattan. I had a, a 10 minute trans. Uh, it took me 10 minutes to get to the office. Um, here it takes me 40, but it's not a, uh, it, it actually, I enjoy it because it gives me time to get on the phone in the morning, call my kids and heading home in the evening and I'll do recruiting calls. Yeah. I mean, well, PV is a little, it's a little further away just because it's just getting off the uh, peninsula there, but you're right. The, the traffic's not as bad right now during the Corona. No, it hasn't. No. So it's, it's, and it, it was know. before, before we hit the Corona thing, it was, yes. you know, it was, it was 40, 45 minutes. It was, it was pretty easy drive. Yeah, but it's a little bit better. I know I'm doing like these long hikes, like further away. And, you know, it's like so one of them's like 90 miles away and it could normally take like three hours. It's like an hour and a half. It's not too bad. Uh, yeah. We looks like we're on. I hope we're on Periscope, Facebook and YouTube all at once. I'm going to put I'm going to try to monitor. I'm doing this all myself because we're social distancing. I don't have a producer here. So ah, I'll try to put some comments up. Um uh, and I put one up before that just welcomed you in. But there's a Facebook uh, question. Was, they want to know if you can barbecue. Are you a big barbecue guy. Oh, we, we've been we've been having the barbecue cookoffs here, uh, which has been going well. So the answer to that is yes. I, I'm not as good as Coach Nivar. Um, Coach Nivar takes. Uh, I mean, he's the prize winner on this staff, I think. And, uh, but he. Uh, um, but I do. I do barbecue quite a bit. Yeah. What, so um, you became a special teams coordinator. You started coaching special teams, but. You were actually an All-American punter when you were at uh, Kansas State. I don't, 
I don't remember a lot of, I've met different special teams coaches. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't know if a lot of them were specialists themselves. Is that kind of like a, a rare thing or is that is that pretty common in the industry? No, it's pretty rare. Um, at one point there were three of us and I'm not sure uh, that that's the case anymore. I haven't, I haven't worked in a long time, so I couldn't tell you, uh, but yeah, I know it's, it's pretty rare. There's not very many special teams coordinators that have punt or kick. Did, um, and one of the things when, uh, as far as being a special teams coach, when I was covering Pete Carroll, there was years they didn't have one and just short sort of shared duties. And then he brought one in. They had actually had really good special teams for a couple of years. It just, it was kind of hit or miss. Then they added that 10th assistant rule. Has that helped your, you know, the, the special teams? Because it seems like now almost everyone has a special teams coach. You, you know, it, it, it initially, because um, that's what the projection was, it was going to uh, put, a, put a special teams coordinator on the field. Um, you know, I, I don't think it took off as, as much as people expected it to. Um, there are quite a few special teams coordinators out there, uh, but there's also a trend kind of moving uh, back to um, assigning it to uh, positions and bringing in another, uh, another coach. I mean, I've seen quite a few staffs now that are going five and five on each side of the ball. All right. So interesting. Yeah. Um, so you're kind of like fighting for that as far as, <laughs> yes. but it's so important. I mean, it's such an important part of the game. I mean, it's a third of the game and it, it is weird when you see some coaches sort of like, it's more of like a, an afterthought. I mean, for you, do you feel like your main job is making sure that, you know, you're not giving up punt returns, kick returns, or is it to get the specialist ready? Or is it just kind of a little bit of everything? No, it's all of it. You know, I, I'm I'm going to do everything I can to get our specialists to be the uh, very best that they can be. Um, so that's that's very very important. And then as far as the the special teams units themselves, uh, yeah, I mean, being able to to establish good cover units and 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 really strong and powerful return units. The uh, as far as your um, philosophies go, is there a difference between teaching fundamentals to everyone because you're you're basically coaching you got the specialist but you're coaching a lot of the position players uh as well difference between teaching like fundamentals and what scheme you want to run as far as like here's how we're going to block this or you know whatever like here's how we're mm -hmm. going to cover this kick is there like one more important than the other or how does that kind of uh, mesh together for you no I, I firmly believe in fundamentals making sure that um we're able to do um do what we're we're trying to do and be very good and efficient at it the you know schemes those are you know there's not a lot of uh crazy stuff that i wind up doing uh, you know I, I want guys to be able to get on the field and and perform and execute uh fundamentally and be fundamentally sound it's uh you, you get too much stuff going on and it's very difficult for a player that doesn't have a whole lot of time to study it uh, to be really good at it. So I just try to uh, minimize stuff and then be as good as we can at what we're trying to do. Yeah, there, so. how does that work time-wise? Um, is that something you're lobbying for uh, with the head coach? Like, I mean, you were coaching with your dad, your, your dad was the head coach, but yeah. hey dad, we need a little bit extra more time for like <laughs> this field goal block or is it, I mean, how does that get divided uh, like in, in practice? No, we we're um, Coach Elton's great. It's where it's real similar to what we did at Kansas State. So we will run uh, two 10 minute periods and a five minute uh, field goal period. Um, so we'll get 25 minutes um, throughout the course of, of the practice. 
Um, I, I will always, uh, I do fundamentals year round. And so we'll have a part of that will be fundamental work and then we'll, we'll roll that into uh, full coverage and, and, uh, and teamwork. So when there's not like a team special teams period, are you working specifically with the specialist? And I'm, I'm sure it probably helps that you were, you were one yourself. So you kind of, you, you really can teach them what you know, cause you actually done it before. Yes. Yeah. And and we'll, so we'll, we'll break it up and they'll have a session in the um, first part of practice that we'll go work on some certain things. And then the second half of practice, we'll work on some other stuff. Uh, so yeah, so my time will be spent getting those guys ready. The, uh, we mentioned your dad, uh, legendary Bill Snyder. I mean, just what amazing what he did to turn uh, the Kansas State program around and just make, you know, amazing run there. Um, he was actually a graduate assistant at USC, I believe in 1966. Um, I believe that's right. Yeah. yeah. You, well, you're, you're a native, right? You were born here, weren't you? Like um, you were bo- I was born in Anaheim. Yeah. So you're, na- yep. you're not coming back. You're a native. <laughs> um, I wasn't, I was a, he's, I'm, I migrated here, but um, did your dad have any kind of stories from Southern California or anything that kind of warn you or pre- prepare you for this? No, but I, I, I will tell you, um, we talked an awful lot, obviously, when I was going through the, uh, this opportunity here and, and, you know, and, and the, he loved it out here and he loves, he loves California area and uh, especially the South Bay and uh, San Diego. I mean, this whole area out here, he really, really enjoys, but uh, a funny story uh, that he has shared with me is his very first, the very first game when he was a GA. Um, and coach said, okay, we're going to meet in the locker room and uh, we'll get ready and, and go from there. Well, he got the locker rooms mixed up. And so he met in the locker room here at the complex instead of the locker room at the stadium. So he wound up scrambling to get into the game, which he didn't have a pass. And so it, it, he, said, he said it was just a scramble to try to get in there on time. Like I'm really a coach, guys. I'm a coach. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. And then all those years later, um, we had our this is our resident uh, Notre Dame fan who likes to uh, watch the show. Well, shout out to Coley. He had a question on YouTube, uh, Coach Snyder. USC has never beaten Kansas State in its history. Zero and two. If they meet a bowl game, any difficult feelings trying to break that streak? <laughs> uh, no, it. it uh, I, I I coach where my feet are, and this is my feet are right here at USC, and this is my home right now. So. It is, uh, we'll go out there and treat it like anybody else. Yeah, it's one of those things where, I mean, I mean obviously, lawyer, I mean, you went to school there, you you, you coached there for years, um, but wherever you are, that's where you got it. I mean, that's where you're getting paid. This, you know, you want that to, obviously, that's going to be the most important thing to you. No, absolutely. And, that, and that's the way I was at Kansas State. I mean, there's, uh, there were there were times in there when Dad retired and, and uh, uh, when Coach Prince came in and, and Dad wound up coming back, but um, and through the beginning and through the second period, there were times where, uh, you know, I could have stuck my name out there and started looking around and, um, you know, and my, my opportunities weren't going to come until they had retired unless I put myself out there to do it. But that's one thing I've just never believed in. I, if, if I'm, if I'm someplace, that's where I, I'm at and yeah. uh, I'm going to give it hundred percent where I am and I'm not going to worry about the next job or what's down the road. I want to talk about some of the specialists that you and you because you inherited a really you know talented group. Uh, one of the questions, Hippocracker on uh, YouTube was like, "What's your initial impression of uh, Ben Griffiths? He's the USC punter that was from Australia." If you guys don't know, uh, I, well, I'll tell you this: I've never coached a twenty-eight-year-old punter, so <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, uh, my first impression was obviously that you know I've got a, a grown man here that I'm uh, that I'm getting ready to coach and. Uh, the one thing about Ben, which I truly, truly uh, just really appreciate, is he is 
Uh, he's a hard worker. Um, obviously, he's a professional. He, he's he's been at the ranks for for a long time, and and now given a, a shot punting in college, and and then hopefully moving on to the next level. But uh, the one thing about Ben is he's very coachable. He's a very strong leader. Uh, he's you know he's taken. He is very serious about what he's uh, what he's doing and what he wants to become, and he wants that for the whole group, and he wants that for this whole team, and. He is just an unbelievable team guy. And so I've, I've just really, you know, I've, my first impression was, all right, this is going to be awesome. And my second impression was the same thing. I mean, this, he just gets better and better every day. We uh, in the media got some flack from a lot of the fans because we'd watch practice and go, dude, this kid's amazing. And then it really wasn't that way in games. And they're like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And I don't know if you have someone with a very live leg. I, I do a podcast with Coach Harvey Hyde, who was the former head coach at UNLV, and he coached Randall Cunningham. And Randall happened to be one of the best punters in the country at the time. And Coach Harvey Hyde told me the story. Like, he told all the coaches, do not mess with what he's doing. Like, they didn't teach him how to punt. He just punted. Like, don't tell him anything. Just let him do what he's doing. Is there – can you, like, overcoach a – player and maybe like take away some of that what makes them special or how, how would you assess like when you have someone like that good that maybe they don't translate it to games now you know and and with ben i mean there's some there's some technique things that we're working on uh that he he's i mean all the guys have some little stuff here and there that need to get cleaned up but you, the answer to the question is yes you can overcoach him um but that's that's a part of you know for myself is you know i gotta i gotta know those boundaries and what they can and can't do and uh, you know, it, it's, I haven't really had an issue with it over the years. Um, I think, uh, you know, when we get out here and get, get going and where I can actually work with them on the punting and kicking, um, and I've already kind of explained to them how, what it'll look like, you know, how much I'm going to be in their ear and how much I'm going to uh, rely on them to get some work done. But, I, you know, I think if you're coaching a guy and you're in his ear all the time, I don't care if you're a punter, kicker, or play a position, eventually as a player, it starts to drive you nuts and then you start overthinking things yourself. And so it's about trying to keep it, you know, make the progressions you need to make, not try to correct too many things at one time uh, and, and then just let them, let them do it. Um, you also have uh, Chase McGrath uh, out there um, and initial impressions of him as a kicker. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. I, most of it's just been conversation. Like I said, I haven't seen him kick one day and we got that one day of spring ball. Um, but Chase is a, a phenomenal kicker, uh, and he works I mean, incredibly hard. The whole group of guys, I've just been really, really impressed with their work ethic and, uh, and the expectations that I have for them. I mean, they've, they've been really good uh, as far as getting into that role and, and, and executing the things that we talked about. So, but yeah, Chase, a wonderful, wonderful person, and, and again, just mature and, and really handles his business well. Um, I, I believe you have four specialists on scholarship right now. Plus, you have uh, you know uh, a fifth one coming in, Parker Lewis, the really talented kicker. What is your philosophy as far as um, you know the number of specialists you would want on scholarship? And do you like to recruit scholarship guys and bring them in, or is it more of we're going to bring in some really talented walk-ons and whoever shines, we would give them a scholarship, or is it some kind of combination of both? Uh, I think really it kind of depends on what's out there and what the opportunities are. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I'd, I'd like to have, um, you know, two snappers available. I'd like to have two punters available. I'd like to have two kickers available when it comes to scholarships, but spread out, um, you know. And, you know, I'm, 
I look at this thing the way the roster needs to, to be. Um, you know, if, if we need to be one snapper on scholarship and one punter and one kicker, then that's what we're going to do if it's best for the program. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I at Kansas State, it was primarily bringing guys in as walk-ons, developing them, and then going on scholarship once they earn the, earn the position. Uh, here, it's going to be a little bit different. I mean, there's, there's going to be some potential uh, scholarship guys out there that, you know, we're going to have the scholarship to bring in. And, uh, and we're, you know, we're going to go after the best guys we can. Did you ever have, I think you all have five guys. Did you ever have five guys on scholarship when you were a special teams coordinator? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I wasn't yeah, sure like so. to what the ratio is, is sometimes you see just like, no, there's hardly anyone on scholarship and you know, sometimes yeah. there's a lot. Everybody's different. I mean, yeah. you're, I think your minimum is going to be three. Um, okay. I, I know some programs that, that even if they're starting, don't put them on scholarship. So, um, but I think, you know, if you got, you got a punter, kicker and snapper, um, I think traditionally at most schools, you'll see three on scholarship, possibly uh, one or two more uh, punters and kickers, and then eventually you got another snapper coming on. Well, you mentioned uh, you got to see these guys only for one practice in the spring, unfortunately. Uh, but you're you're out there now. Um, I mean, they're out, what are these current workouts like? It's really just been a week or so, right, that you've been able to see these guys on the field with your own eyes in person. How have those workouts been so far? Oh, they're going well. We, we've got, um, and right now it's all conditioning, so it's not anything with the football. Uh, but yeah, the, the guys are out there working hard. I mean, you can you can see the the effort uh, and the dedication that they have, and, and they're you know they're grinding. They're they're trying to get back in football shape, and, and you know when you're not in in a football facility doing football stuff, it takes a little while to get back into football shape. And so you know that's what they're doing. They and they know that there's a sense of urgency, and they got to do it quick. And um, you know I go out and watch every single every group uh, when they go out and, and run. So. Uh, it is, uh, you know, it's good watching. Um, we talked about kind of the recruiting process a little bit with the number of scholarships, but how involved are you uh, in the recruiting process? Because there are definitely guys that there might not be a kicker, a punter, or a snapper, but they might be more of a return guy that you could talk to, like, hey, you know, if it's a wide receiver, you talk to uh, Kerry Colbert about, you know, hey, we, we want this guy too because of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, his, his ability on special teams. No, I, I have those conversations, and um, I wind up talking eventually to every recruit as they come in. That's uh, uh, one of the things that, um, you know, I, I ingrain myself and get involved as, as much as I can. And obviously, the more more coaches talking to each one of these young men uh, about the program and about what the expectations are and, and getting to know each other um, and developing a relationship. And so it's important to, to be on the phone and to be engaged with the guys that are coming in. Because at the end of the day, um, outside of a couple positions, they're all going to eventually be on special teams. Yeah. Uh, are there any key things you look for when you're evaluating a high school player for like a kicker or a punter or a snapper, like some of the specialists? Is there certain things you, you might look for? Because sometimes it's an afterthought when you're playing high school football. Um, but is there, there are certain aspects or, or, or attributes you would look for? No, I, I'm a big technique guy, so I really watch um, a lot of close-up technique of what they're doing. Uh, I'm not all concerned about, uh, in high school, I'm not all concerned about hang times and averages and that stuff. Um, my my uh, most important thing for me is if I can get them in a camp and uh, and work them in a camp and see how uh, how they're how good, good they are coachable and how, uh, how much they can adjust on the fly. Um, I like to see those types of things, and so... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, it 
you know, there's a lot of a lot of guys out there, a lot of really good kickers and punters and snappers. And, uh, but to me, it, it boils down to the coachability and the technique of where they're at, and, and that they do got to have some leg strength. I mean, I, they got to they got to be strong, and so um, that's, that's about it. And some raw talent there you can uh, kind of mold yeah. a little bit, I guess. Exactly. Um, for speaking of raw talent, when you're talking about kick returners and punt returners, um, what's the what would be the difference? Like, what makes a great kick returner versus punt returner? And what are the kind of attributes that are different between those two? Uh, really, the big difference is just how much agility and quickness a guy has. Um, so, kickoff return, you can get a guy that's a little bit more straight line, uh, speed and fast. Um, with punt return, you need a guy that's a little bit more uh, agile and quick. Um, still want the uh, the home run speed, but uh, at the end of the day, you've got. Uh, uh, that would be the biggest thing. You know, yeah. you can just use more of a straight line guy with kickoff return. Do you? How much are you working with the return guys? Uh, is like, is it much as you'd work with the specialist, or is it? What's the ratio there? No, not as much. Um, I'll I'll work with them um, when we get in and get going, and once we we get a ball in play and we can start doing some things. I have a few drills and some stuff that I do with them. And Coach Colbert, uh, he will handle and and do most of that work with them. Um, but it's, uh, I've had a lot of dialogue. I talk to them and, and then I'll, when we get out on the field and start getting the ball flying to them, I'll work with them as well, too. Any other guys, uh, stand out to you uh, from a return standpoint? I know it's only one practice, but it's stuff maybe you've seen on film. You're like, oh, this, I, I could definitely see him as my punt returner or him as my kick returner. Well, to, to be honest with you, with, with all of them, I mean, they, they're, they're also gifted and talented. Uh, you know, Tyler Vaughn's was really good on the raw. Uh, did a really good job. Obviously, we got the, the youngster that's in here now, uh, and Gary Bryant, who, uh, you know, he, he can definitely spark, and Keenan Kristen. Um, so, you know, we've got a we've got a good group of guys that uh, to work with, and you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, they're just all they're all gifted, and they can all do it. Um, so you got, you know, those are return guys, but there's people have to block for them. Uh, they're, you know, you're taken from a variety of positions. Is it one of those things where you're looking at film and you're like, oh, I think he would be good as a protection guy on punt team, or I think he'd good at you know covering kickoffs, or how do you kind of evaluate that and what do you look for there? Yeah, you know, I've watched I've watched some film to watch what they do and how they move around, and then uh, a lot of it's uh, the body types and position that they that they play. Because um, I what I try to do is match the position with the player um, or the player with the position and. You know, try to make sure that it's something that they can be successful at. I try really hard not to put guys in positions where they're doing something that is um, not in their regular routine at their position. So uh, there are some nuances um, that they'll learn and, and develop with, but uh, the, the focus really is, is just to get them in a position where they're comfortable and they, they can execute uh, and play fast. The, uh, a lot of times, you know, a freshman might come in and if he's a linebacker and he's not, you know, getting in the starting rotation, he can have a, a big impact on special teams. But something's changed recently is the redshirt rule where you can play four games, not just in the beginning of the season, but anytime during the season. Has that impacted how you kind of manage rosters at all? Or do you envision it doing something that it can help you or be a detriment at all? No, no, I, I'm... Uh... You know, I, I like consistency. I like to be able to get guys on units and keep them there. Um, there's uh, there's timing and there's a lot of uh, 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 things in the cover units where, where the consistency, the continuity of the unit is really important to have. 
And so I'm not, uh, you know, when that first came out, I know a lot, a lot of teams went to playing, you know, guys for four games and rotating other guys in for four games, rotating other guys in for four games. And so it, it's at the end of the day here, you know, that's not, uh, and I didn't do it at Kansas State, but that's not, that's not going to change how I do it, what I do. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Gary Bryant Jr., um, you know, t- very talented freshman. Do you have any issues playing freshmen uh, on special teams? And is there a philosophy where you might play younger guys versus veterans, or do you don't want to use a lot of starters? How, like, what is your kind of philosophy as far as that, you know, playing some of those guys? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm going to put the best guys on the field um, at special teams. So, uh, it, it may not be the best. I mean, you know, it could be a starter and may not be the best guy on special teams. Um, but no matter how it shakes out, that's that's what I'm going to try to get. I, I got to have guys that are uh, be dedicated to it, that'll study a little bit extra on the side. Um, you know, in the meetings, I, the good thing is, I mean, everybody pays attention to the meetings, so that part's good. Um, you know, but I need I need guys that'll do just a little extra and uh, and put that dedication to it. Uh, and I'm not I'm not partial to anything. I, I need disciplined players that uh, want to win football games and want to do what's best for the program. We talked about Ben Griffiths a little bit. I don't know if there's anything different when you're dealing. You said he's the oldest punter you've ever had. If there's any way, different way to, you know, deal with an older player like that that might have different concerns and stuff going on, and and overall, like, how would you define success uh, for a punter? Uh, you know, I, the that's a great question. Um, the um, obviously in in the statistical world, um, averages mean an awful lot, but. Really, for the success of a punter, uh, it's being able to control the ball and how well he can he can do the things that we're asking to do. Um, you know, I think sometimes you have a guy that may hit the ball out there and have an average 55 yards, but if he's out punting his coverage every time and teams are getting returned, well, that's not effective. That's not that's not what's best for the program and, and best for the punt unit. What we're trying to achieve. So, you know, I think the the control factor. Um, of how a punter is able to do the things, whether it's a directional punt, whether it's a pooch punt going going in, um, whether it's coming out of the end zone and being able to get it where we need it. Um, I think those are the things, uh, to me, that will define the success of, of a punter. Um, you know, and as far as Ben, uh, you know, and working with him and, and anything different, no, that he's he is, uh, you know, his maturity, it's, it's, it's like working with anybody that I have over the years. It's a, a junior or senior that's been in the program and has developed. Um, he does, you know, the thing with him is, is he probably has a uh, little bit higher standard of work ethic um, than, than most people because he has been a professional. He knows how uh, to train professionally and uh, coming in here and being able to work with him and, and kind of uh, Get, get him lined out with the things that he needs to improve on. Um, I never have to worry about that with him. And, and I wouldn't with a junior or senior. You yeah. know, sometimes the younger guys, you have to worry about that a little bit. You were a specialist, so you kind of know this role. Um, it's if, you, if anyone out there has ever watched a football practice, usually the specialists are doing their own thing. And then every once in a while, oh, now the whole team's coming together. They were going to do kick field goals or whatever like that. I mean, it's sort of a different... Is it, is it a different existence where they're kind of doing their own thing in a lot of spots? And is there a mental aspect to it to where you have to keep guys kind of in where they might not be doing what everyone else is doing, but they have to still be working on what you want them to be working on? Uh, yeah, but everything's kind of, for a practice, for example, every, everything is staged out uh, 
to where, you know, what we're working on is going into the period. Um, so if it's a punt period, we're working on that prior to going to punt period. Uh, so it, it's not, it's not a, you know, there's not too many mental uh, lapses you have in there because they're, they're focused on what they're doing and where they're going. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of places, you know, the kickers and punters kind of like what you're referring to are, they're off on another field and they're kind of hanging out and nobody's got them doing anything. And all of a sudden it's, Hey, we're in period 10 and we got, we got a punt in period 11 and it's a scramble to get over there because they were playing around and weren't paying attention. So, but no, that's for, for these guys here, it'll be, it's pretty uniform of what they're doing. Okay. We had another uh, YouTube question. Uh, this is before your time, obviously, but thoughts on Jake Olson. Uh, that was uh, magical for USC. It was one of the, I think ESPN had as the number two, sports moment of the century or something i mean it's like crazy yeah. yeah oh i think that was incredible and i and i think uh giving that young man the opportunity to do that was i mean it was a blessing and uh, a top-notch act yeah he's uh we've had him on uh this show too just a special player i mean could you could you imagine coaching a kid that that couldn't see like whether it was blind i mean it just seems crazy uh it, w- it would be different but i'll tell you this um, having somebody that would be passionate about the game and be willing to go through that and do that, it would be such an honor to have that opportunity. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's it was really unique to uh, to cover it, and uh, he's been it's been great to kind of watch him uh, grow from there. So that yeah. was uh, it was pretty neat. Another YouTube one. Um, do you believe in having starting offensive line on punt and kick returns? Um, I personally don't use offensive linemen on uh, on punt and kickoff return. Um, I know a lot of programs do, and, and I know the reason why, because um, they can handle, uh, especially on kickoff return, they can handle uh, a guy flying down the field and trying to run run straight into him and blow up a wedge or blow up a, a guy in the back end. And, and on punt, obviously, they, uh, they can do a good job of securing up the shield, because um, obviously that's what they do all the time. Uh, but no, I I personally don't use them. I don't have any I don't have any beef with it. I mean, I've used them before when when you know several years ago, the University of Texas with uh, their special teams guy at the time liked to just put the big defensive lineman in there and try to run over the shield all the time. So I used offensive linemen. So uh, you know, it, it kind of fits for what you need. Yeah, um, Jake Doonesbury followed you from Kansas State. Uh, he was a student coach for special teams. What did he bring uh, to the team as a special teams quality control analyst? Well, the good thing is, is uh, with Jake at Kansas State for the last uh, four years, he's been uh, doing all the film breakdowns uh, and getting all the doing all the behind the scenes busy work, and so that's what he does. And, and so bringing him here, it made the transition really smooth. Uh, you know, we don't have to uh, spend a lot of time training anybody for breaking down Pac-12 schools. Uh, and getting scout reports ready and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, that's that's the big thing that Jake does, and, and he's and he's really good at it. How important is it to have that extra pair of eyes as a, you know with a quality control assistant? Uh, it's really good. Um, he's uh, he's got uh, a good eye for everything. I mean, like I said, he's been he's been working with me for four years, so he's got a real good eye for uh, uh, what what I'm looking for and what I'm trying to get out of teams. So. I mean, talk about saving time. When we get into an opponent, um, you know, he's got everything broke down. He's got he's got a scout report ready, and you know, he's able to take me through the, the shortcut version of, of things that I typically look for and, and pull out into it. So uh, he gets me fast forwarded really good. Um, 
Do you have to go? We have a couple minutes, or are you? No, we're, we're fine. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. Like, I know it's busy. It's in the office. They're like, you're not used to. Yeah. When did you get back to the office? It was like a week, ago, like a week ago, or uh, a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we had one uh, YouTube one that's kind of funny from Coley. When's the last time you let it fly? Teed up a ball and let it fly. I'm sure your players would like that. <laughs> uh, well, right now it's it's uh, been been a couple years. I uh, I was doing it pretty regular until I ripped my hamstring on my oh. right leg and. Uh, so then I kind of laid off of it, and uh, I'll tap it every now and then, but I won't. Uh, I won't cut it loose. It was funny. Like it'd be neat to see you out there at practice doing that. When uh, we covering Pete Carroll, he just always loved throwing the football all over the field. He wanted to throw drills for the DBs. He just always was trying to be involved. So to see like a yeah. special teams coach out there putting or something, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Well, you, you'll probably <laughs> see me at some point in time, but <laughs> not not won't be cutting it loose. That's for sure. The um, so. You know, we're in the media, we're, you know, we're critical of whatever we see out there. And I've probably been extra harsh or maybe overly harsh on USC special teams the last couple of years. I mean, how do you judge, like, if it's a successful special teams game or season? Because, uh, I mean, we're just doing for, like, the, you know, if you give up a long kick return, like, hey, that's a problem or things like that. I mean, it's more basic on our level. But do you look at it? Is there, like, stats you like to check out? Or how do you kind of judge what's successful and what is it no I, the the stats i try to i mean i pay attention to them but i don't i don't put those at the top of the list you know what what's important for me is that, that we're doing the best that we can to provide um you know a whether it's a big play um it's, it's definitely not giving up big plays but, but we want to be able to to do field gain the best field position we can put our team in the best position to to succeed and um, you know, like for example, in 2018, uh, we we had a punt return guy that got injured. Um, we wound up doing a couple different things, and and it was a successful year, not in the yardage or returns that we had, but it was successful that none of the teams punting against us very had good averages. I mean, they were most of them, I think, were around 35, 36 yard an average, and so. Um, you know, we, we did some things rushing the punter and, and just trying to trying to get bad punts and we blocked. And I think we got our hand on four of them, um, but it was just a different different approach as opposed to just uh, all out returns. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's about field position for our offense and defense and, and being able to uh, do what's best for the team at a particular time. Sometimes it's not going to be, um, you know, the averages may not be great, but it may be a great game. Yeah. And, you know, it just it just kind of depends on on what. How each game unfolds. Do you think sometimes you like if you might read an article or something like they're criticizing your unit? You're like, hey, they don't know what they're like. We actually did this for a reason, or this is what happened. Like sometimes something like that happens. Like, oh, they're they don't know what the heck they're talking about. Oh yeah, I mean, if you've been in this long enough, you criticize no matter what you do. So <laughs> um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I, I don't uh, I don't pay much attention to that. And, you know, my focus is is with the with the players and, and doing the best I can to get them ready for each game and and being able to, to get them through a game, make the adjustments we need to make through the course of the game, and uh, and try to help keep them all motivated. And uh, you know, that's that's my job. My job is not to uh, look at all the other stuff. I think we might have touched on this early in March when we had that meeting. But is there a philosophy as far as would you rather have like? <laughs> one big great play and a couple bad ones or 
a lot of like, you know, pretty good plays without the kind of mistake, like where sometimes we've seen, especially with the USC, there'd been like a feast or famine thing. Like there'd be a great special teams play, but then there'd be an awful one. And then it's like, I don't know, would it be better just to have a bunch of average plays or to have like this wild swing? Because it obviously can change the momentum of a game. Well, let me preface this answer um, by understanding who I, I, tutored, I tutored under uh, for all the years, which would be my dad, um, who his expectation is perfection on everything. So to answer your question, to me, there is no room for bad play. Okay. Um, we're just looking for, we're looking for good play and big plays. Yeah. Uh, well, and like one of the things last year, one of the, the, the one of the big games USC was uh, it was tight with Oregon early in the you know late in the the, the first half, and Mikael Wright had this big kickoff return uh, for a touchdown with 20 seconds left in a half. It just seemed like this backbreaking play. I don't know if you saw, but not that play specifically. But when something like that happens, what can kind of what what's usually goes wrong uh, in that? Because it's like there's only a few seconds left in the half, um, and how do you kind of like? move past something like that because those big plays can really shift the momentum away from a team. Yeah, they can, you know, and that's one of the things that I'm, uh, you know, that, that when you get, it's just like a kickoff and you go down and pin someone inside the 20 yard line. I mean, it's a huge uh, momentum for the, for the team. You turn around and get a punt return or kickoff return for a touchdown. It's a, it's a potential game changer, the swing of the game or momentum. Um, but one of the things that, that, if it happens, it's and it's, it it does. I mean, I Oregon got me, and when we played them in the uh, uh, Fiesta Bowl several years ago, and uh, got a return back on us. And uh, but it's about it's about breeding the confidence in the players. And hey, we're, we're gonna keep we're gonna keep plugging away, keep rowing the boat because in the, the day that's that's one play, and it's a big play, and it's it's one that we can't accept, and, and we've got to understand that that you know where the mistake was made, we've got to fix that mistake. But we're still going to have an opportunity throughout that game to make the big plays and do our job in the cover units and, and stop them, uh, the big plays from against us. So, you know, it's about being even keel and uh, and keeping them going. And and I don't, you know, it's you got to fix the problem. And I'm I'm about to fix the fix the problem. So if we make a mistake, uh, a guy gets out of, out of his lane or gets out of position, whatever, um, we just got to fix the problem so it doesn't happen again and move on from it because. You know, if you let that play beat you three or four more times, then we got a bigger problem. Yeah, it just snowballs. Uh, we got two more. I think we'll let you go. I really okay. appreciate the time. Um, one of the challenges is you are coaching players from all over the team. It's not just you know I got the running backs, I got the quarterbacks, whatever it is. It's guys from offense, guys from defense. How like what's the philosophy of kind of keeping the personnel all in sync during a game where they might be doing their thing for their position? but then they have their special teams duties. And is there a, a way you can assure that, hey, we're going to get the right guys on the field, the right number of guys, everyone doing the right thing? I mean, that's, it's got to be, it seems like a complex problem to make sure that that's happening, especially in the, the heat of the game. Uh, it can be. Um, it, it can also get there when you got double number situations where you got to get a jersey pulled over a guy as well. And uh, but no, we'll, you know, as far as that goes, we'll, we'll do a lot of rehearsal stuff prior to uh, getting into a game, you know, and then, you know, I constantly am working sideline and working with the guys and, um, you know, I have, I have somebody working with me as well so that we know who's on the field, uh, when we got to go on the field and who stays, who needs to, who needs to run on, make sure we have them, 
uh, you know, you run into problems sometimes if it's a if it's a really quick moving game, uh, fast paced offense, and you've got you know one two three downs. All of a sudden, you're on the field, and one two three again, you're back on the field on the other side, and and coaches are talking to players on the sideline. And there's a lot of moving parts, um, but you know, I, I'm third down. If I don't have them all standing next to me, um, then 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 we're gonna have a problem. Then <laughs> we gotta have a discussion, but. Um, yeah, third down, I, I typically call everybody up and get them ready. I get head counts, uh, look on the field. Um, and so, you know, it, it, that's, it's important, obviously, and they got it's got to be important to them uh, to know what's going on in the game and paying attention to that so that they're ready to go. And then sometimes there could be an injury and the guy's out, and so yeah. then you have to, like, make sure his backup is in. And so, I mean, it seems like a complex problem, that's what I'm saying, you know. Yeah, it is. And I mean, there is, because there's, you know, especially, especially with the injuries. I mean, it could be third down injury, boom, you got to have a sub ready to go right away. Um, I typically, typically will keep a utility guy uh, close by that can go in at any position. Um, so that way we've got all, all guys on the field and, and ready to go. Um, so, you know, there's, there's ways to work with it. And, and uh, you know, once we, once we kind of get to that point, like I said, we'll kind of rehearse through some different things and, and get the guys' minds on it, and hopefully they pay attention, stay focused. One last one for you we got from YouTube. Uh, do you like a directional punter or someone that just can boom it down the field? What's your preference? Uh, yeah, I like uh, I like a directional punt, and uh, uh, and then there's times where you just kick it, you know, boom it down the field. But um, you know, one of the things I try not to do is uh, try not to get us out punting our coverage. I just want to make sure that we can cover it uh, wherever we go. So. And, and I kind of referred to it earlier. I, I want guys that have uh, good control uh, of the ball when they're punting it, uh, which Ben does. And so uh, it allows us, gives us an, an opportunity to, to be able to place the ball in places where we can, where I think we're strong and can better cover it. Yeah. Uh, one last thing I totally forgot about this. We talked about this last year a little bit. Uh, with the rule that you could fair catch a kickoff, like, you know, you talked about, you know, if you can pin someone inside the 20, like on a kickoff, at the 10, you can fair catch and get the ball at the 25. I think we've seen fewer, If I'm, I hope I'm not mistaken, that there's been fewer kickoff returns because of that rule. Is that something you like to take advantage of and say, hey, you know, if, if you have an opportunity, just fair catch it, we'll take it at the 25? Or, or where do you, like, how do you like to uh, manage that? Um, you know, me personally, I don't like to fair catch it. Um, okay. I want, the, I want the ball returned. I, I want to give our guys an opportunity to do something. Um, but I am a, I am a team guy and so if we're in a situation where it's best to fair catch it then that's what we're going to do um it, you know when i was at k-state when they implemented that rule there, there were a couple times where it was just a smarter thing to do we weren't doing very well on kickoff return the opponent had a, was doing really well on kickoff and uh we were struggling getting the ball out and so uh, to get our offense a better a better advantage i mean we we had to uh, we had to fair catch it now i mean it, it it, it gets to me when we have to do that because I'm not, I, I don't, I don't you want like to return. I want to return it. Yeah. I want to return it. Yeah. Makes sense. I know, and I, I keep forgetting one last thing. I'm so sorry. The the rule used to be, at least I thought so, that like a punt returner would put their like heels on the 10, right? And then if it's over your head, you let it go. Is that still the case or was that never the case or has that changed at all? No, it, 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 it's changed a little bit. I mean, everybody has a different rule of what they do. Um, some's 10, some's an eight, some people to five. Um, it, you know, to me, really boils down to, to how good your punt return unit is uh, to give you the flexibility to do anything like that. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've done it where we haven't, we've told them return it. 
you know, it's in play catching return. And so, okay. uh, yeah, and if it's, uh, if it's a, again, it's an opponent that's, that's pretty good at punt coverage and what they're doing, then if the ball's inside the 10, you know, let it go. And yeah. let the thing get out of the end zone. Um, and so, you know, it varies, it varies per game opponent and what we're trying to do and how good we are. It seems like, I don't know, maybe because there's punters now that are really good at like pooching it and making it bounce back, like kind of like a putting a spin on your wedge and they can like, they yeah. can really, if it's before, maybe if it was over the eight, it was going in the end zone. Now it could, you know, you, at the five, it might stop at the five. So it might be better to catch. I don't know if that's, if the punter's getting better, it kind of changed the philosophy too. Yes. Yeah. No, that it absolutely will. Absolutely will. Yeah. All right. Well, we really appreciate the time. It was great to uh, have some, one-on-one -on -one time with you, uh, Coach Sean Schneider, uh, USC's new special teams coordinator. Glad you could be back in the office, and thanks so much uh, for doing that. Ryan, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. All right. Thanks so much, everyone. That's Sean Snyder. Follow him on at Coach Sean Snyder on, uh, on the Twitters. All right. Thanks again, Coach. Uh, we'll talk right to you on. All right. You take bet. care. Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.